Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? You know, this might be a low-hanging fruit. In fact, I know it's a low-hanging fruit, but I feel like it's something that we just have to talk about, and that's the tight end position as a whole. Yeah, um, if I'm we here look for this. at oh, okay, so if we look at the at the fantasy points from this week, and this is without the Monday night game that's going on, we have our our, ta- our starting fantasy tight ends. Okay, are Hunter Henry, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews. Right, those are the top three. Fine, whatever. Tyler Conklin, Dan Arnold, Austin Hooper, Gerald Everett, Albert O, Noah Fant, Kyle Pitts. Cameron Brait and Nicole Pruitt. Those are your top 12 Ew. tight ends from this week, which, what, four or five of them were actually drafted? The rest of them is a, t- a total crapshoot. I'm over it. I used to be an advocate for tight end, but I can't even do it anymore. It's so frustrating, and it's so gross, and I'm just over it. So, and, Oh, yeah, I have to also add that we got goose eggs from Mike Isecki and, and TJ Hawkinson this week. So, yeah, that like, killed me. Those are my two most uh, rostered tight ends. It was just so <laughs> ugly. Tight end is just so, so, so gross. And uh, they get they get the Festivus for week 10. I'm with you. I'm with you completely. Uh, screw the tight end position across the board. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles. And with me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how's it going, buddy? I'm doing all right. Uh, I know after listening to Jen's Fantasy Festivus, I, I'm 100% on board because I've got Darren Waller on a couple of teams. <sighs> that, that has not worked out well for me. Uh, and even trying to put together the tight end position with, like, I don't know, like, I don't, like just random guys, like whether it's been RSJ or or Dan Arnold, or it's just been a complete mess. And I know we say this every year, that tight end is a dumpster fire, but for some reason I think I get lulled into this, like, oh, yeah, it'll be fine this year, and then, yeah, this is exactly where we find ourselves at. So, no, Jen, I'm completely 100% with you. Uh, But other than that, I'm doing okay, but how are you doing, Jen? I'm doing well. You know, like you, I have Waller on a few teams. You know, whatever. Tight end is tight end. Um, it's frustrating, but overall, I actually am doing well. I, I personally had a pretty good week in, in the fantasy realm, so that's always kind of good. Uh, my Georgia Bulldogs are in first place in Bulldogs. the country, um, which is something, you know, I went to University of Georgia. I have been a long, long, long time fan. I've lived through the hell that has been seasons past. Um, so it's super exciting. It's a weird place to be, uh, being number one for several weeks in a row. Every time that's happened, they usually do something really stupid and lose it. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that, and uh, I'm excited. You know, we're in double digits of the fantasy realm, too, which is fun. We're kind of, you know, eking towards the playoffs, um, so that's always good. So, you know, as always, though, there's always the, the, the weekly surprises that happen to us every week. And, uh, Chris, why don't you uh, tell us about the surprises from Week 10? Okay, so one of my big surprises from Week 10 uh, was actually Mac Jones like going into Cleveland and just completely shutting down that Browns defense and just the Browns offense getting shut down uh, on the flip side like by the Patriots defense. I thought after the previous week, the Browns were in a better direction with uh, Odell kind of leaving that team. They put on a good show uh, against Cincinnati, my team. But Mac Jones completely rolls in there. As of right now, like you just mentioned, we're recording this during the Monday night game. Uh, Mac Jones is QB4 this week. 
on the season. He has two top 12 performances, a game over 300 yards, a few games, a few multi-touchdown games as well. I mean, Jen, uh, are, you, are you buying into this at this point? I mean, are you a believer in, in Mac Jones and this Patriots offense after them being able to, uh, to string together, what, a few wins over the past month or so? I mean, as much as it pains me to say it, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it, I think it's more fun when the Patriots suck for all of us that are not Patriots fans. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, coming into the season, we really didn't know what to make of the team as a whole. I mean, draft-wise, it was kind of difficult to navigate where to put, you know, the pass catchers, where to put the running game. We didn't really – the tight ends. I mean, that was a cluster with Henry and Smith. So um, it's kind of interesting to see it all kind of, you know, making its way to, to what what's happening, I guess. And, and I think it's exciting for Mac Jones. He definitely was not – you know, I'm not a big rookie person. I'm not – you know, I'm not – that's not my, my thing, the NFL draft. But – um, I know that he didn't get the respect that I feel like a lot of people thought he should have. And, you know, it's good to see him, I guess, doing well. And, and you know, like I said, you know, the Patriots, a lot of us don't want to see them um, succeed. Um, so it's kind of a bummer there. But on the flip side, as far as just rookie prospects and for the NFL in general, it is good to see, you know, Mac Jones come in and um, show that, you know, he can be a franchise quarterback, you know, in the future. I think that's I think that's absolutely fair. And uh, I mean, Brandon, before I kick it over to you, I mean, so far, I mean, uh, Mac Jones has averaged about 230, 233 yards per game. Uh, he's got some pretty decent matchups as we get into the later parts of the season. What he's got Atlanta this coming week. He's got that Thursday night game. He's got Tennessee. He's got Indianapolis. I believe it's in like week the uh, week 13 or 14. Like as we're getting into the fantasy playoffs. But so far, compared to his classmates, he's had a higher EPA per play than Trevor Lawrence higher completion percentage over expected than anybody else in his class. I mean, Brandon, are, are you also like, are you buying into Mac Jones? I mean, are, are you willing to start Mac Jones on any of your fantasy teams if you were forced into it? How long do we have? I have like 75 minutes on the Patriots. Can I, can I take 75 <laughs> minutes to talk about the Patriots? Uh, Is so, it the most, the most Patriots podcast or something like that? Is it that might what be. I, I, I got to say a few things. I got to say, first off, congratulations to Jacoby Myers, who's caught oh, 9,000 yeah. balls. You see the bench like, completely clearing in order to like celebrate with him, too? It was great. I, I'm so happy that, for that. He finally caught his first touchdown, Leslie. So totally, totally excited uh, for him yesterday. Uh, Mac Jones. He's the only rookie quarterback who's really put in a position to succeed right now. And I'm not taking anything away from him. He's been good, and he's doing a great job at what he's doing. Uh, he's playing very efficiently. Uh, and I think that as a bye week streamer, sure. Like, if he's not going up against a really bad matchup, which, uh, you know, on paper, Cleveland would have been a bad matchup. But, uh, but you know, if he's got a decent matchup, I'm, I'm definitely interested in streaming him. Uh, definitely in the QB2 leagues uh, or Superflex formats, I'm interested in putting him out there. He, he's he's playing an efficient game right now. Um, I will say it's hard for me to like Mac Jones. I haven't gotten to a point where I can get past the announcers because I like him fine. But watching games, I've heard Mac Jones congratulated for breaking the huddle uh, from the announcers. I've heard them <laughs> oh, congratulate yeah, him for signaling touchdown after a running touchdown. Um I heard him congratulated on a wildcat play for being selfless. I, you know, I just, I, I just, I, I want the announcers to, 
to stop trying to make Mac Jones immediately Tom Brady. Like I just want I want the announcers to give Mac Jones a chance to be a, 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 a his own quarterback because he's been good. He's been pretty good, and it's been fun to watch. He's easily been the best looking rookie so far this season. Uh, a lot of that again is is because of the offensive line. Uh, which might be the best in the league, and the um, the coaching, which is great. And people forget the Patriots were terrible last year because, uh, you know, 78% of their defense opted out. The, now they're back. They're second in the league in points allowed per game. This is an elite defense. So you put in a rookie quarterback who's known for accuracy and efficient play and not turning the ball over on a team with an elite defense, a great coaching staff, and a great offensive line that has a run-based offense with a couple of backs – Sure, he's going to succeed, and I'm happy for Mac Jones to do that. From a fantasy perspective, I uh, that type of offense that he's in, that he's running, isn't really going to put up top 10 numbers consistently enough for me to be excited. But, I, yeah, as a QB2, as a streaming option, I'm, I'm fully, fully confident in Mac Jones in a way that I'm not with any of the other rookie quarterbacks. And I think that's fair because over the last month or so, like their pass rate over ex expectation has been like negative. Like they've passed less than what would be expected and uh, expected them to given their matchups over the last month or so. Really the only time that they've passed or had more passing attempts than expected was against, was that game against Tampa, which absolutely makes sense because that's where most teams have been attacking the Tampa Bay defense has been through the air versus trying to run against them. Even though that technically didn't work too much against Antonio Gibson on Sunday. Day. But either way, I think that's I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, he's been efficient as a quarterback. He's been accurate as a quarterback. And I think for all the negative negativity that we got surrounding Mac Jones when it was that Mac Jones to San Francisco, that whole thing just what eight or nine months ago. I think it's I think it's great to see him actually kind of bucking all of the negativity that we had for him throughout the offseason and actually seeing the Patriots do I think the Patriots succeeding and playing well without Tom Brady because I know a lot of folks especially at the beginning of the season were like Bill Belichick is washed he needed to just have Tom Brady that's the only reason why he was a successful coach I think most of those narratives while most folks will probably still lean towards Tom Brady being the better part of that Bill Brady uh, no, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady duo. I think at the very least, we can at least see how well both Brady, uh, both uh, Belichick, Josh McDaniels have been in terms of putting together this new crew of playmakers like for the Patriots. So I'm, I'm excited to see them in prime time on Thursday night, even though that's a softer matchup, but at the very least we get to see what they can do uh, for at least for the, for the New England franchise. Uh, but moving on, uh, my other surprise, uh, Daryl Williams, while he has been the RB1 without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and he, uh, Edwards-Hilaire is expected back in Week 11, if I'm uh, at least according to reports that were going on last night. But after seeing him completely moss the defender last night on that 31-yard touchdown like from Patrick Mahomes, uh, it's, it's not just the opportunity, right? Because Darryl, uh, Darryl Williams, over the past few weeks, he's had uh, since... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been out. He's been having the majority of the workload, majority of the carries like inside of the 20, but it's also the shift in offensive uh, schematic or offensive philosophy for the Kansas City Chiefs. We've now started seeing that the running backs are starting to get more involved as well, which has been a benefit for guys like Darrell Williams. So Jen, I mean, if you've gotten them on your roster, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is coming back next week. Are you still going to be starting him confidently? Or are you thinking that CEH is going to take some of that workload over? 
I don't know how. I mean, I would say a little bit, but I, I mean, I can't imagine that CEH is going to come in as the, you know, the lead back. I just can't see that happening. It's one of those, uh, if it's not fixed, or if it's not broken, I mean, don't fix it. I yeah. think that, you know, Daryl Williams has been solid. And I think that, you know, it's funny. I'd like to take a victory lap for a second. So every week for uh, Yahoo, I'm part of the, you know, as a group, we write uh, our bold predictions for the week. And my bold prediction this week was that Daryl Williams would, would fill, finish as an RB1. And he is right now RB3 uh, before this game finishes on Monday night. So I'm actually pretty proud. I think it's the first one in 10 weeks that I've actually gotten correct as far as my nice, bold prediction buddy. for the week. Nice. So I'm excited about that. But, no, I think that, um, you know, Daryl Williams has been a nice little surprise for the – you know, for the Chiefs. And I think, you know, Andy Reid does like himself, a, you know, a good running back. So I think he's probably excited about that. And, you know, CEH has really not panned out as expected aside from injury. And I think, you know, there will be some kind of committee and some kind of share, you know, not sure exactly what that will be. But I think people that are hanging on to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and think that he's going to, like, prance right in and be the lead back and that Darrell Williams is going to go back to, you know, to a, to a, just a filler role, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it'll be more of a share than, than you know, originally planned, I guess, in the season. Right. I think that's completely fair. I mean, as much as I've been more, like, obstinate, like, on, like, CEH because I drafted him quite a bit, like, throughout the offseason, and I just – I'm wondering, Brandon, if – let's say if, if CEH, like, was a, let's say, a, a second-round pick or even a third-round pick, I, I'm wondering if our expectations for him within the Kansas City offense would have been less – or we wouldn't have been expecting him to be like this RB1 like right out of the gate, and that's kind of followed him over the past couple of seasons with Kansas City. But even still, I mean, like I'd mentioned beforehand, uh, at the start of the season, just running backs in general, not even just CEH and uh, and, uh, and Darrell Williams, I mean, they were only receiving a 9.3% uh, a target share in that offense because Patrick Mahomes has always been been predicated that passing offense has been predicated on Patrick Mahomes taking those downfield shots I mean he's had a 9.2 a dot like over the first month they were continually just passing to Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey but then that shifted as the offense has kind of hit it though hit those rough spots and then over the last month it's actually been more of a 19 percent target share for the running backs like so far so with this shift in philosophy for kansas city i mean at the very least i would think that would give daryl williams a stable floor moving forward i mean are you are do you buy that like for for daryl williams and even ceh if you're holding on to him so uh i i like all those questions i i was ready to just say um i i'd like to defer to the uh the gentlewoman from from denver because i i thought that uh everything jen said was perfect about this uh i i do actually have things to add i the big elephant in the room here is 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 kansas city back right is the offense back because if the offense is back daryl williams is going to get touches and is going to get looks and the offense is going to hum and we're going to see more RB1 style numbers from him. Uh, now, Clyde edwards helaire coming back, I, I, I agree with you if he was second, third round pick. Also, if he wasn't the first running back drafted in that draft, like that's the thing. He went ahead of DeAndre Swift. He went ahead of Jonathan Taylor. You know, those are guys, uh, J.K. Dobbins, right? He was the first running back taken in that draft and the Chiefs picked him over all those other guys and we're seeing Jonathan Taylor take over the league right now. So I think that is a factor um, as far as our expectations for, oh, he's going to come back and be the starter. Um, as for moving forward, those two, I call Merck. I call Merck. <laughs> I think there's going to be Merck, and I'm going to get frustrated and angry 
and uh and and i think it's i think that while i'm not like cutting these guys and i'm probably still gonna start them at times i'm i think it's gonna be a murky mess that we're just gonna be frustrated about week to week no, and I think that's – and I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one as well because with Daryl Williams, it, if it's not just the opportunity, it's now just – now the production's now going along with it. I mean, a 100-yard receiving game, CEH has never done that. Yeah, for his, that's awesome. So it's just – it's difficult to really see any sort of distribution between the two of them that favors – or at least it heavily favors Clyde Edwards-Hilaire like moving forward. And regardless of how – excited we are for the chiefs to play every week i mean they're gonna have just this massive game against dallas next weekend that i know everybody's going to be super excited to watch I'm, i've already heard comparisons of this game to remember the that chiefs rams game from a couple of years ago that wound up totaling like 90 some odd points i think it actually went over 100 if i'm remembering correctly but i like i've heard comparisons to that i don't know if it's going to get there but at the very least i'm i'm hoping that with the uh, with the Chiefs possibly figuring things out, we'll see if that's the case. I mean, the Raiders actually were calling one of the defensive uh, one of the defensive schemes that actually favors Kansas City's offense. But I think more so than anything else, Daryl Williams now showing up, being the productive running back like for uh, for the Chiefs, and also kind of showing what we expected of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really puts a damper on Ceh's like workload moving forward. Uh, the last guy that I wanted to talk about, I mean, let, let, let's talk about Mike Williams for a second. I, I I was all in on Mike Williams after the first month of the season. He was carrying a a, a target share of 21% like over the first like few weeks. He was catching. I mean, he had multiple touchdowns in in like the first like few games as well. Also leading the wide receiver group in terms of red zone targets. I mean, everything seemed to be changing for Mike Williams at the start of the season. Now we've barely seen like any that that similar type of production. Now last or just on Sunday. He wound up kept like what he dropped a target that would have been a touchdown. He caught another one that uh, he got dropped at like the two or the one yard line, if I'm remembering correctly. So maybe wouldn't we wouldn't be having those conversations or these conversations if he would have caught that. But still, we're looking at a non-productive receiver over the past like three to four weeks, or even coming out of their bye. We're also looking at Justin Herbert. His average depth of target over the past couple of weeks has been down to 5.6, 5.7 yards over the past two weeks as well. While Mike Williams' average depth of target has crept up to double digits over the last like five to six weeks. So now he's back in the old Mike Williams role when in the early months or early weeks of the season, his average depth of target for the first three weeks was actually 9.8 yards. So with his change in role, Justin Herbert not looking like Justin Herbert from the start of the season. I mean, Jen, I mean, what are you, what are you doing with Mike Williams? Is he really just like, I don't know, a boom bust flex option for you? Yeah, unfortunately, he's kind of relegated down there. It's kind of a bummer. I, I was really excited about him. Even before the breakout, I was excited about him this summer because I was like, okay, you've got a really young, exciting quarterback with a great arm. And you only have Keenan Allen there, and Hunter Henry's gone. So, like, who's going to get all those targets? Who's going? So, I was excited about Mike Williams, and especially because a lot of people weren't drafting him. So, I scooped him up everywhere. And then, of course, when it happened, it was all exciting. And now it's like, uh. so I think, like you said, I think we're relegated to a flex, you know, boom bust situation. 
this team is just not very consistent, which is frustrating from a fantasy perspective and a real life perspective, really. Um, like you said, Justin Herbert is, you know, it, it's been kind of hit or miss on his production. Therefore, same with Mike Williams. And even Keelan Allen hasn't been, you know, super steady this entire season. So, you know, I think that it's one of those things where, you know, he was an automatic guy. He was probably your wide receiver two, you know, for the first month of the season, um, or even your wide receiver one, depending on who you had there and injuries and whatnot. But I think now he is relegated to that flex spot uh, as a bi-week fill-in until we can see more consistency, which, you know, we're running out of time here for that. I think that uh, that's where he ends up. Yeah, I mean, Brandon, for me, it was like, I really thought that Mike Williams could at the very least be a 1A to Keenan Allen's like 1B. But now seeing this massive drop-off, like like I just mentioned, what, 14.4 target share over the last month, we really have been like while he has started to get more involved in the red zone. I think he's had he has six red zone targets over the last like couple of weeks. I mean, is this really something that is the opportunity enough for you to still consider him a wide receiver two? Or are you down in the wide receiver three flex type of range like Jen and I were just talking about? Yeah, wide receiver three flex type of range for me. You know, Keenan Allen's gotten double-digit targets in each of the past three weeks. That offense, as Jen said, has been wildly inconsistent the last few weeks. I think they've had one good game out of the past four, which is concerning in general. Uh, you know, I think this is just normalizing. I think that this is what we expected it to be going into the season, and we're just seeing it play out the way it should. No, and I think that's that's kind of the sad part because I was hoping there would be more of a, I even think we talked about, we might have talked about this like at the beginning of the season as a kind of a surprise thing, but just I was hoping to see that evolution of Mike Williams as a receiver instead of having him be that deep threat option that we had seen him historically, seeing him have a shorter A dot, I think over the first few weeks, like I mentioned, it was like 9.8, like so around like where most wide receiver ones in the league, uh, they, they, where they run, and also seeing the production hit, the efficiency be there as well, and now to see him just kind of pigeonholed back into that, into that deep threat, it just kind of sucks to see him move back there, but hopefully things change. Hopefully they get back into their the way that they were winning towards the beginning of the season, especially now since they've fallen back towards the back end of the AFC West, and now Kansas City is now back up on top. Maybe things will switch up as we get deeper into the regular season, but hopefully things will change as we get into the fantasy part of the or the fantasy uh, playoff part of the season for for our purposes. But we'll see how things change. But I know one thing that's oh, did you have something else to add, Jen? I did. Whoa, that's how did you know that? Huh? I just know. God, that's weird. Like, for a second, I freaked out. I'm like, are we on camera? Because I was, like, signaling, like, hey, I want to say something. But how did you? You didn't know Chris is clairvoyant? You didn't know that? Oh, that's pretty creepy. Um, No, I was just going to say the one positive thing we can say about Mike Williams is he has stayed healthy. Yes. You know, that's been an issue in the past. And I know a lot of people were concerned about that heading into the season. Got a lot of flack for that. But uh, he has played nine games. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, and I think that even he was he's played through what knee swelling I think Brandon Staley had mentioned. So like while a lot of folks have really been more of a you know Mike Williams is injury prone like every time he goes up to catch like a deep pass or something like that and he comes down he should probably he'll probably wind up in the medical tent that hasn't been the case hasn't missed a game yet so yeah, yeah. I 100% agree with that Jen so at the very least if the opportunity continues and maybe it trends back into the, in the positive direction we can see him you know get back into that wide receiver two range but tough to trust at this point uh, but Brandon, uh, kicking it back over to you. I mean, what's one thing that we can trust if folks wind up using underdog fantasy? 
Ah, listeners, let me tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It's Underdog Fantasy and their brand new Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player's stats, and you could win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players and win you some cold, hard cash. First-time depositors should head to 444.com slash underdog and claim your free 444 Pro subscription. Get $10 in bonus cash to play this weekend. All right, buy or sell segment. Uh, Chris, I want to start with you because quarterback, I, I always start with you. I just think you when I think quarterback. Uh, <laughs> Cam Newton is back. He's back, baby. He's in Carolina. He has two touchdowns and two plays and uh, whatever else he did the rest of the game. But it was very exciting. Uh, is he back as a, on the fantasy radar? They, uh, they have said in a strange way that he's going to start next week. They said they're readying him to start. So I don't know if that means like they're giving him a bath and a haircut. And if it doesn't work out, then PJ Walker's back out. But I've never heard it said that way before that they're readying him. But uh, yeah, is he back on the fantasy radar? I mean, he was yelling he was back after he scored that touchdown. Yeah, he I, sure was. I would, I would recreate that, but I know for the folks already mad at us about our audio issues on the podcast, they'd really be mad <laughs> if I just started screaming "I'm back" like into my microphone. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that to y'all. Uh, but, but no. Um, even during the preseason, uh, when when Cam was still with the Patriots, some of the play action stuff that they were running during the preseason, I thought were concepts that they could uh, that actually they've been using a decent amount, like still in Carolina. So seeing Cam being able to execute with that, even though some folks, and I still think he has like some problems like with, you know, with his throwing motion, like so on and so forth. At the very least, he offered enough upside in order to keep what CMC in like in the good graces of his fantasy managers, even though it still sounds like he's having some issues with the hamstring, Robbie Anderson pops up for a touchdown. So if we see him through a full game, we'll see if also he can now buoy the fantasy production of DJ Moore, but look at their upcoming schedule. I mean, they've got Washington, uh, this week, which will have like a ton of narratives around it now, since what Cam Newton being back with the with the Panthers, they're going to be playing against Ron Rivera, former coach of the Panthers. So you know the media is going to have just a ton of fun with that game. But also looking <laughs> looking ahead, they've got Miami in Week 12, Atlanta in Week 14 after they come out of their bye. So I think there are at least enough uh, enough games in order for Cam Newton to be fantasy viable. And if he, he obviously still has the rushing component to his game because we just saw that on Sunday, and that was with him essentially what he literally said in the post-game presser that he was having a bowl of cereal at that same time uh, last Sunday. <laughs> so if he can do that coming out of nowhere, I would say a week of practice could do him some good. And now with Washington, now without uh, Chase Young for the rest of the season as well, I think it should open up at least enough for him to have a decent game as a as a quarter as a fantasy streaming quarterback. So yeah, I'm I'm with it as uh, as Cam Newton. He should be on our radar uh, at the very least. Uh, I mean, as a streaming option for this upcoming week. I mean, he should have more upside than the rest of the guys that we've been streaming for the past couple of weeks. What was it? Taylor Heineke was one of the like the top streaming options this past week. Yeah. I mean, that was what. And also what we were talking about Tua Jacoby Brissett. I mean, it was just. I mean, it was a mess. From a from a streaming perspective, so now with this week Cam being back, yeah, I'm with it. Excellent, excellent. No, I like to hear. I've always been a Cam guy. I've always been. A, I've always liked Cam Newton. I I want him to come back and be back and be uh fun. Obviously, we're not going to see MVP Cam anymore. He's just taking too many hits. He's getting too mm -hmm. old. But I I'm excited for it. Uh, Jen. Uh, I'm going to ask you, and I'm not going to ask Chris because I already know what Chris thinks about the New England backfield in general. Uh, Jen, R Ramondre Stevenson. Had a heck of a ball game 
against the Browns. 20 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns, four catches. Uh, he had 10 carries the week before with 62 yards, 44 yards receiving. He's been productive in spurts uh, this season. Now, Damian Harris, you know, should probably be back from that concussion next week. But what are we thinking about Stevenson moving forward? Should we kind of perk an eyebrow up? Maybe half an eyebrow, if that's possible, if you have that kind of talent. <laughs> if you're, I don't know. If, but no, I don't know. It's so hard. I mean, like Chris, I, I really can't, you know, get behind a New England backfield mate. It's just, it's very difficult to to figure out, to do. You always pick the wrong one. It's just, it's difficult. But I will say that, you know, he was intriguing. And that's a lot, you know, um, 100 rushes, or I'm sorry, 100 yards and 20 rushes. I mean, four, four receptions for 14 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive. It's exciting. But then again, you've got Harris coming back. And then there's all, you know, there's Bolden and Taylor. And it, it's always, you know, just when you think you're going to get comfy, it just doesn't happen. So, you know, I will say that there's so many injuries. It's such a mess that we're all kind of clinging on to any kind of body in a backfield. So, if you can get if you can get your hands on Stevenson, um, it's not a bad bad idea to have him on your roster, have him on your bench, um, and then just kind of play it out and see. He may he may you know you may be able to slot him in here and there, but uh, he he does play in New England, so like I said, half an eyebrow. <laughs> half an eyebrow. Let's talk about another running back that uh, you know always gets a little concerned. Chris uh, Deontay Foreman. Uh, we talked about him last week since he had a few touches and, uh, you know, a few more than we expected. Uh, here against the Saints last week, led the backfield with 11 carries, uh, had a couple catches, ended up with 13 total touches, 78 yards on the day. Are we more interested in Deontay Foreman now? Do you think his role will continue to increase or is this still a mess? It's still a mess for the most part because they're still mixing in Adrian Peterson for the most part. So he's still getting at least a decent amount of work or enough in between the 20s for me not to be completely like invested in Dante Foreman. Uh, also, like the uh, the red zone goal line work, we saw Adrian Peterson get that short touchdown right after he came, right after he signed with Tennessee when he uh, when they played against the Rams. And also the passing work, while uh, Dante Foreman like has had just a couple of targets like here and there, I believe what was this past week he wound up having two targets on Sunday. But that's typically been the Jeremy McNichols role. So it's like there's just each of those guys in that backfield, like Adrian Peterson can do the short yardage stuff and the in-between and the in-between the 20 stuff. Jeremy McNichols can do pretty much all of those things, not well, but at least he's involved in each of those pieces as well. So while Dante Foreman at least looked like, like he literally looked out on the field and almost looked like Derrick Henry just because he's a tall and bigger dude. He did. But just like, a, he's just a monster. He, <laughs> yeah, but he's not getting that workload. It's not like they're, they're not treating him that way. So mm -hmm. while I do think like over the course of the season, let's say if we're all assuming that Adrian Peterson may or may not get phased out or whatever, it's just I, I would rather have Dante Foreman just banking on the fact that because he's the quote-unquote younger and fresher back, he might wind up getting like at least the you know Derrick Henry light workload and Adrian Peterson takes a back seat to all of that. I can't project that moving forward. So with what we know right now, with all of those guys pretty much like working in their own individual roles, at least, you know, at the very least, like splitting each of those workloads evenly, I, I can't like I really can't advocate for folks starting him. But just keeping him on your bench if you already have him or if he's on your waiver wire, you should hold him just in the event that could possibly happen though. 
Okay, that makes sense. And I, I want to talk a lot about Tennessee over the coming weeks because that offense is obviously evolving, um, losing the key figure of it. I, I do want to quickly, this isn't really a buy-sell, but I do want to tell people, Marcus Johnson, five catches, 100 yards. Mm -hmm. uh, his targets throughout the season are 5-1-1-5-0-6. And this is what we saw from him with the Colts, too. Uh, so just, I, I would just say temper your expectations on Marcus Johnson. He will pop every once in a while. It's what he's done in the past. Uh, last by sell, I want to talk about Jen. And if you have comments on the Tennessee offense, feel free to kick in as well. Uh, I want to, you know, Twitter loves Rashad Bateman. I love Rashad Bateman. Uh, lots of targets, middling production so far. Uh, Ravens offense. What do you think of Rashad Bateman? And should we uh, be as hyped about him as Twitter is? I don't know about as hype, but we can't listen. We all know in fantasy football, you want to chase volume, right? He's had eight targets two weeks in a row. I mean, that's nothing to really, you know, whatever. You can't really toss that aside. I mean, that's legit volume. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins had three, three targets last week to his eight. I and mean, we know, we know what we have in Sammy Watkins. I think Rashad Bateman is young. He is exciting. And there is some chemistry there with him and Lamar. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know that he's going to win you a fantasy season per se, but he's someone that you should have on your roster if you can. And um, he'll be a nice, you know, a nice guy to fill in here and there to, to round out the season. Excellent, excellent. I uh, I love the kid. I hope he's really good. It's it's hard for me mm -hmm. to be like wide receiver two territory in that offense, but uh, but I hope he's good. Uh, looking ahead segment, we'll close out the show. Uh, I'm. I, it feels disgusting, Jen. I hate saying this, but but Miles Gaskins up against the Jets, and and the Jets are terrible, and Miles Gaskin is like an every other week guy, and he's coming off a bad week. So I, you know, I'm I'm gonna squint and like cross every appendage and put him in my lineup as an RB two. Good luck with that. <laughs> what's what's yours, Jen? Uh, okay, yeah. So my, my look-ahead guy is, uh, of course, a kicker this week. I'm going with Jake Elliott. Um, he is actually coming off a kicker one performance. He had 14 points uh, in Week 10, um, and he gets – uh, he has a, that's not, not a great matchup this week, but this is a looking ahead. So in weeks 12 and 13, he gets the Giants and the Jets. Um, he's got a great actual season for the remainder. Unfortunately, the Eagles do have a week 14 bye, which kind of screws with just grabbing him and holding him. But uh, I did write him up in my stash article because he has, uh, you know, according to our 444 hotspots where they go by color, he's got all green for the rest of the season. So um, he is a great kicker to, to just grab and, and not have to worry about it every week. Excellent, excellent. Go get your kicker. You're always the person I listen to for kicker advice. Jen, Chris, uh, what's your looking ahead segment for next week? Uh, so mine for the quarterbacks, and actually just real quick going back to the uh, all the way back to the Dante Foreman discussion, they actually play the Houston, uh, they play the Texans this week. So, I Ooh. mean, if now's the time to try and figure out, okay, what does that backfield really look like? It would probably be the best to take a look, good look at all three of them this week against the, against Houston, who's just allowing production to literally every position. I mean, <laughs> almost like bottom 10 in every, every single adjusted fantasy points metric we have, quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, running back. So, yeah. I would say that if you've got Dante Foreman already, great. He's at very least, I would assume, a flex play possibly this week. Mm -hmm. And then if you got him stashed, let's see what that workload or what that touch count is going to look like around the rest of the, the other two backs as well. So, But uh, for quarterbacks this week, I already talked about him. I mean, Mac Jones, I know they've got the Thursday night game, but either way, 
I mean, so far, I mean, Mac Jones, like the like I mentioned earlier, the passing rate above expectation hasn't really been there. I mean, they've had, I mean, he's had like 25 to 30 pass attempts in almost every game this season, but their pass rate over expectation has been negative in four straight games. It really has been since the Tampa Bay game that, that we really haven't seen much, uh, like a high end in terms of pass rate for the for the Patriots, but the efficiency has certainly been there. So I'm, I'm with Mac Jones for this week and playing against Atlanta, 28th in terms of adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback. I mean, we just watched them get lit up by Dak and the Cowboys. So, I mean, it's probably easiest, I mean, almost like a paint-by-numbers type of thing to say stream a quarterback against the Falcons. But Mac Jones, with them playing so well and them completely steamrolling Cleveland this past week, I mean, Mac Jones against the Falcons, what could, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, play your Patriots. <laughs> play your Patriots. I get that completely. Uh, thank you so much, Chris and Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day. <laughs>